0: Welcome to Protect Our Past, home to many of us who are focused on saving all those wonderful, charming, quaint streetscapes we have on Cape Cod. And why are they so charming and quaint? It's because they're lined with houses built in the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, and we just want to make sure that they stay there for another hundred plus years. So I'm Ellen Briggs, founder of Protect Our Past, and here with me is my co-host Matt Holden. Hi, Hi Ellen. Matt. How are you? I'm great, and I am so excited about our guest, which you brought to us. So, yes, would you please introduce him?
1: Well, El, we're going over the bridge.
0: All right. We're going oh my gosh. to
1: uh, Central Upstate New York, and I, I'd like to uh, first of all, great to be back. Uh, as a member of the WOMR listening audience. And today uh, I'd like to introduce um, a gentleman by the name of Michael Tinkler, who is a professor of art and architecture of 24 years at Hobart William smith College in Geneva, New York. Um, Professor Tinkler has a B.A. from Rice University, a Ph.D. from Emory University. Uh, Michael, welcome.
2: Good to be with you, Matt.
1: Yeah. May I call you Professor? Because I think you told me that... You can call
2: me Professor or Michael. Either one works.
1: Okay, great. Well, welcome to the program, and thank you for being our guest today. Um, I mentioned that Michael Tinkler is a professor at Hobart and William Smith College in Geneva, which is the jewel in the Finger Lakes crown, the lake trout capital of the world, and obviously home of my alma mater, Hobart and William Smith College. Go Statesmen. Go Herons.
2: (sighs) Indeed.
1: <laughs> so, Michael, although we didn't overlap during my extended college tenure at HWS, we do share an interest, love, and passion for architectural history. And the diverse architectural landscape of Geneva was a perfect setting for a very real and very rich setting for the study of historical buildings. And for our WOMR listeners that aren't familiar with the Finger Lakes region in central upstate New York, Geneva is a city in Ontario County, which uh, occupies the north shore of Seneca Lake. Um, Michael, you originally hail from Chattanooga, is that right? Do you have family roots there?
2: I grew, I grew up in Chattanooga and uh, went away to college in Texas and then back to the southeast to graduate school in Atlanta. Uh, so I was del- I was delighted to come to work at a small liberal arts college. And uh, delighted to find a small liberal arts college town around it. So, did, so I've lived in Geneva yeah, my whole time here.
1: And did Geneva find you, or did you find Geneva and, and the colleges there?
2: Well, Geneva found me in the sense that there was a there was a national advertisement, and I interviewed, and I uh, came to visit, and uh, fell in love. Um, you know, national, you know, small liberal arts college jobs are not particularly plentiful, and I'm especially lucky in that I'm in a very balanced department, which mm-hmm. has an essentially equal number of art historians and studio artists and a number of uh, licensed architects. So we're, um, we're actually a, a, a very well-balanced department in terms of what we cover and the students in our majors.
1: Well, that's great. And again, it's great to have you uh, on air here.
0: So, I have never been to Geneva, but already, from listening to Matt, I'm understanding that you have a lot of representations of different historical architecture there, and that just kind of makes me sad that I've not seen it. But I wonder if you could describe that to us.
2: Geneva really is pretty. You co- typically people come in if you come in from the throughway from by ninety uh, you you head due south from the from uh, the throughway through still you know remnant farm country there's still people actually farming uh and then you come to the to the town you pass through uh the two pylons of an old railroad track uh elevated at that point and you come into a a kind of the first bit is very 20th century because you come as you drive into town you come into a real 19th century downtown We have essentially three main streets um, Exchange Street, Castle Street and Seneca Street and the Castle Street is named after the Seneca Castle which was uh, the settlement of the Seneca tribe of the the Haudenosaunee people Um, and Castle kind of wanders out into the country and it wanders out to a very uh, beginning with Queen Anne and then into uh, early 20th century and late Victorian houses mixed together. Mm-hmm. Or you turn left onto Main Street and you pass through uh, real from the 1920s into Victorian and then suddenly into row houses, 1820s row houses uh, that are really, really special in the Finger Lakes. We don't really have a lot of those in this part of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a an oddly, you know, Early 19th, extremely early 19th century urban atmosphere for that four four or five blocks. Um, And then you pass by the park that Geneva was founded on, Pulteney Park, named after uh, in 1790 when Geneva was laid out. Uh, The man who was the the richest heir in England and uh, the main builder of the city of Bath, uh, Jane Austen country. Um, he was the main shareholder of the Pultney Land Company, which had a land grant from the state of New York that stretched from Ontario to the Pen- Lake Ontario to the Pennsylvania state line—an enormous stretch of property. Um, and one of the things that the company had to do was build, uh, continue Route Five, which is Main Street in Albany and Main Street in Buffalo. They'd continue Route Five east-west along uh, across their land grant, and Geneva was the kind of uh, um, eastern edge of their land grant. It was the first town you passed into, and it had a coaching inn built in 1790, uh, where you could, at the top of a hill, change your coaches, change your horses, or spend the night. I lived in that building. I lived my living room. I used to say. Was an 18th century living room, and a 19th. The rest of the apartment was 19th century. So my apartment stretched
1: into the new wing. Mm-hmm. Ellen, in the 1860s. Think about the stories that building <laughs> a, could tell.
0: Whoa, yeah, I would, I'm sure there are some. Absolutely. Um, it's weirdly. There, I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I d- I just um, I'm interrupting because I'm listening to. A history that I knew nothing about before. I have. To, I'm from the Westchester County, New York, originally. So I maybe I learned some history in that. Uh, in fourth grade, we studied New York, but I certainly don't remember any now. So we forget that there's history everywhere in this con- continent. Mm-hmm. We just tend to think it's only spotted. And it's like no, there's a beginning of some community everywhere, and so everywhere. listening to you talk about Geneva is wetting my appetite for it and i'm wondering if there is a challenge before you to to keep it from being destroyed
2: well there are always there are always things happening uh we we just this last year i'm not going to say lost because we don't really know what's going to happen with it yet but somebody's financing got messed up there was a Uh, An interesting um, shingle-style, originally shingle-style, more recently it had been collaborated, uh, lake house um, just south of town along Seneca Lake that had been the American Legion Hall for at least 60 years. Um, People joined it for the swimming pool and the view as much as anything else. And they sold their property to a developer who was supposed to build condos. Of course, the developer got as far as tearing down the old house. And then interest rates went up. That's, of course, the big. Th- I think the, one of the biggest threats right now. Mm-hmm. We have real potential of losing. I don't know what's happening to it. Um, Geneva uh, had an odd little history. It was founded by Episcopalians. It had to have been one of the smallest places in America that had two Episcopal parishes inside the city limits. Uh, there was an, um, an 1830s church. Uh, in Gothic Revival, and another Gothic Revival built by the Upjohn firm uh, in the 1860s. Well, the 1830s church, Trinity Church, which is quite near the college's campus, um, they had simply ran run out of people and money. You know what I mean? They had a congregation of about 30 on a weekly basis, uh, and they, they finally gave up and and sold. About three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to a developer, who now has evidently stopped developing, and he's blaming interest rates. Is it, and so Michael? Let I me. Inter- know what's going to happen with that?
1: I was going to interrupt yeah. you for a second. Is this Trinity Church on Main Street and that? Trinity developed-
2: Church on Main Street.
1: And it was he was going to turn. Yeah, colleges- he was going to turn it into a restaurant, right? Or
2: he was going to turn it into a little boutique uh, hotel, conference center, and restaurant. mm Hmm. It was kind of an interesting idea. He's done – the developer has done similar things in South Carolina and somewhere in Ontario. I think Belleville, Ontario. Uh, He's himself a Canadian originally, but has lived in in, uh, North Carolina and coastal South Carolina for 20 or 30 years. Uh, And this is a landmark church. It's a lovely Gothic revival church. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Designed in part by a by the president, the then president of the of Hobart College, um, who was a personal friend of Richard Upjohn, the, the great um, Gothic Revival architect.
1: Well, that's interesting. So it
2: would be a great it, pity to lose that.
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to say you have a very established historic district on Main Street and, and that, yeah. it, that's good for the town, the city. It's it's good for tourism because it brings people in. And uh, I was curious because, you know, you've been in uh, you know resident of Geneva for over 20 years, you know, where all the bodies are buried. Uh, and I was hoping you could, you know, provide some insight into, you know, what sort of bylaws does the city have on the books to ensure that, you know, these things don't occur in the future?
2: there There was a lot of a, a lot of disagreement about Trinity Church. Um, one of the things they needed to get was they did need to get approval from, okay, we have two things. We have a historical society, which is you know, a, a local museum mm-hmm. and membership association. And then we have the historic district, which is the uh, group of people recognized by uh, the city. As the kind of guardians of the national historic district, um, I'm. They are the historic society, which has recently gone through a name change, and they're now called Historic Geneva rather than the more traditional Geneva Historic Society. Is quite active, and um, uh, I think. I think, they, I think I can fairly say that they worked against the Trinity Church proposal. The historic district didn't seem as interested in working against it. I think that they were more interested in anything that would keep the roof on the building. Mm-hmm. And I can see their point about that. I mean, I'm not opposed to all change, <laughs> um, but it seemed to me that they, they, they didn't push as hard. So there was a great deal of controversy about parking. Of course. Uh, would there be enough parking for this? And the church had, a, I think, a reasonably sized parking lot for a church. Um, so I think the parking would have been enough. Uh, but there were also people who didn't want a commercial establishment on that stretch of Main Street, mm-hmm. um, which is purely residential from the edge of downtown to the colleges.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And
2: so uh, – So a lot of people resisted on that on those grounds alone. Just there would be any commercial development, Um, and the city council. uh, Of course, there were all kinds of allegations of unfairness and and whatever. Uh, But the city council did make them jump through a lot of hoops. The developer jumped through a lot of hoops about his planning and his um, and frankly his financing. But then interest rates went up. I guess he couldn't control that. Um, there is a lot of feeling that – but of course, the, the, the congregation, the Congregational Trinity Church, owned the building. You know, that's the structure of a, of Episcopal church in America. They were able to get permission from the diocese to sell it. They did own the building, and uh, they still exist. They have reformed as a uh, – I, I guess they're a, uh, a charitable corporation now. What is that? Five hundred one C three, and they have they now operate out of rented space downtown in the old downtown YMCA.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm uh, familiar with that. They
2: have. Go ahead. Yep. They have we, they have weekly services of of some kind. Though I think they're non denominational now. Uh, they are a. So community-seeking spiritual directions or things like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Any other buildings? um, And I don't want to get down to the seismic level here because most of the listeners aren't going to be familiar with my references to other iconic buildings in Geneva. But do you see things in the future with respect to... The armory in town, or the the first one of the Finger Lakes' first high rise that was erected in steel, that's adjacent to the Smith Opera House. I mean, are these things yeah. that are in peril, in jeopardy because of development? Just,
2: uh, the, the the family that owns the uh, first high rise um, is, I mean, they are running a successful bar and grill in the ground floor. Um, that's right. They made it through COVID. And uh, they have one other location in Canada in the county seat. Uh, But their their bar and grill is successful. So I think that that building is is essentially safe. And as part of the renovation of the building that got them the uh, approval for the liquor license and things like this, they did replace all the windows, and uh, they've they've at least... um, seen to the roof so Mm -hmm. i think that building is a is is in okay shape the armory is actually doing pretty well uh about 10 years ago 10 or 12 years ago uh there was a move on the part of the national guard to consolidate a couple of um area armories and build a new building to house um but that has gone by the wayside. That, that's no longer even a proposal that's on the table. So at least until the next round of National Guard reorganizations, I think the armory is okay. same. Mm-hmm. Ellen,
1: uh, the same.
2: Ellen, you want college.
1: Yeah, go ahead.
2: National Guard Armory is actually a, a beautiful Romanesque revival building in brick. And uh, the college has expressed interest uh, in buying that.
0: All right. So there seems to be community involvement in trying to save what's important for Geneva, and that's, I think, a central issue across the country. It certainly is on the Cape. Um, But we've been talking about buildings that are used by the public. I am very concerned about the privately owned historic houses that um, exist not only in the Cape, but Geneva and elsewhere. So is there enough protection? Are you losing them? What's the status? Well,
2: I'm sure that one of the, the issues, I know that one of the issues that I'm sure you face on the Cape is uh, um, short-term rental uh, takeover. Oh, over.
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Um,
2: and we, we're, certainly, we're certainly facing that issue in Geneva. Uh, right now, I believe there's a current de facto ban on conversions. Um the city council or you know, the city council is um, divided uh, there is, a, there is a, a group that are really seriously opposed to any more of them happening because people have a feeling that there are a lot in Chiva right now <coughs> pardon me um, one of the fights is that in this row house district um, there is very little street parking of course so, if you have a building, so many of the row houses are single-family. Probably, I, I guess a simple majority of them are divided up into multiple uh, apartments by floor, um, and they're in pretty good shape in general. They're all inside the historic district, and so they're they're you know they're under at least some regulation uh, appearance regulations about colors. Uh, for instance, there's a rule that no one's supposed to have a window unit air conditioner. Facing Main Street, etc., um, that are pretty well enforced. Code enforcement protects those buildings pretty well, but um, whenever one of the one of the ones that's divided into apartments already gets turned into, I um, mean, into short-term rental, of course, parking is a lot less stable, and mm-hmm. that's a way that has been used to enforce against conversions of those.
0: Well, we don't have that. I don't. I don't foresee that as being because it's not in a as a series of row houses where parking would be um, more well. Unavailable. One the, the
2: city has done: the city has, has demanded that um, using code enforcement that any conversion to to short term rental has to have um, adequate parking, and they've got a fairly strict definition of adequate to mean at least one parking space for each apartment i guess is the way to refer to it and so even freestanding houses have trouble doing that if they're divided into three or four apartments most freestanding houses only have parking for one or two it's an ongoing battle it really is it is on
0: any anything you have that would be helpful for us to to look at to to recommend um, on the Cape, we would so appreciate it yes. because short term rentals. i take a look
2: for language. Yeah, yeah, that
0: would be wonderful. Yep. What other weapons do you have to prevent people from tearing down uh, historic houses, private houses? Well, um, Geneva
2: has. Uh, uh, well, we do have you know building codes. Building code law uh, enforcement uh, has helped keep some rental property up in somewhat better condition that makes it a little bit less economical to tear down. Um, so we did lose a building. This has been a while. This has been almost – actually, this is – it's not quite 20 years. it probably 18 or 17. Uh, there was a building that was uh, – owned by the city that was in terrible shape, that was a, pardon me, former gas station uh, that got torn down um, and has never been replaced. It simply became a vacant lot uh, for some extra parking downtown. And uh, that actually got a fair number of people radicalized and involved with the historic district um, to try to stop things like that. And since then, there have been proposals to tear down on um, kind of – there's a street that trails off into less well-preserved uh, late 19th, early 20th century housing. And There have been moves to tear a couple of things down there, and they do raise um, – just kind of general anger and publicity and people do go to the city council and and testify against it um because i mean there is a feeling in geneva in part i think driven by short-term rentals that there is beginning to be a real housing shortage
1: mm-hmm.
2: has, well, there hasn't we're, been a lot of construction
1: yeah and i think we're that's one top and i want to be respectful of time michael but um i do want to pivot for uh, uh back to the classroom and and you're your work uh, at the colleges. Um, engagement is a vital motion for POP here on the Cape um, to alert, motivate, and support our communities at a grassroots level about historic preservation. Um, and I was curious you know, you interact with a lot of students, college students, and young people. What are your impressions of the students you interact with on a regular basis regarding the topic of historic preservation?
2: Well, we actually have a program – Not a. We, we don't have an architecture school. We're not a certified mm-hmm. school of architecture. We have a liberal arts architectural studies major, um, and we send a fair number of people to um, – so our students, if they wanted to practice architecture, need a master's degree. That's the next logical thing, and we send a fair number of people along the lines of, I'd say um, – it would be a really strange year if nobody went in, in historic preservation. Uh, typically, I'd say we send two or three a year out of a graduating class of between fifteen and twenty uh, to master's programs in art and historic preservation.
1: Right, and partly
2: I think that's that's because of, of me and my colleagues who teach history of architecture.
1: Yep, and is it the- inspire them with. And, and engagement with the with all these architect all these iconic treasures that you have within the city limits yeah. is that are, are they drawn mm-hmm. to that as part of their development and you know pursuit oh, of a mate?
2: Well, I think that one of the joys of, of working here is that we have so many good buildings to assign. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, uh, I'm teaching a Gothic art and architecture class this semester, and. Uh, my students will be will be visiting uh, St. Peter's Episcopal Church, uh, I think, in two weeks as a class, and then they'll be divided into small groups of, of three to four and sent out into the surrounding communities: Kennedyville, Pinyan, Lyons, all within each within about five miles or five to ten miles, and they'll each each group will work on a church and mm-hmm. their work product this year is going to be a brochure. I'm going to have them design brochures and so they can put their their talents in graphic design and their talents in photography to work when it really gets them interested in doing something like that.
1: Well, I think that's great. So Alan- we
2: have buildings to draw on, and it's great fun. Oh.
0: Well, that really helps. What is the central message that infects them?
1: Great question, Ellen.
0: That is a good question. I think, I think that it's,
2: you know, they just need to open their eyes and look. And there are things all around them worth looking at and worth working on. So I think that they get, they get that.
1: Yeah. Ellen, I know there's a question you're dying to ask, Michael, regarding a certain, a certain building here on Cape Cod.
0: Oh, the they, Octagon building, and yes. we only have like four minutes left.
1: Well, let's let's see if we can bring it off real quick because I think Michael is has some background on uh, Orson Fowler, who was sort of the.
0: I've kind
2: of inspired. I actually went and you know I'd only I'd only read you know very superficial things uh, on Orson Squire Fowler, but I actually checked out a copy of our, a Home for All uh, from our campus library and read it. And I had never realized that Orson Scott Fowler was, was not only an apostle of the design of the octagon house as the most efficient design for its perimeter, but he was also an apostle of construction in concrete made from local uh, building materials. Interesting. That essentially, especially I'm sure on Cape Cod, it's very easy to find sand.
0: <laughs> yeah. Dig your own sand,
2: dig your own sand, sift your own sand, and then you just have to find some kind of aggregate. He was big on he was big on what he calls a gravel wall, at least for the foundations. And his own house in Fishkill, New York, was made entirely of concrete. Just well. why they had to blow it up.
0: We need when you to the, I'm sorry i'm gonna we're short on time, but we need you to come to the Cape because there is an octagon house we're trying to save save and it is made of concrete from someone it who is. really well, I
1: think that's a worthy cause.
0: so it's please, a
1: worthy road trip, Michael uh, yes. Ellen, before, because our time, as you, as I like to say, is getting small, don't we want to remind people where they can find information about uh, our cause?
0: Yes, go to our website, protectourpast.org, and you can find all kinds of things. I highly encourage you to go to the upper right hand. You'll see on the website, you'll see watch, press on watch, and you can see all our films are there. And uh, Mike, Professor Michael, I'm going to ask you to, Especially look at our one we produced last year, Life Rings. I think you'll find it interesting, and I would love for you to show it to your students. That would be great. But everybody can see it if they just go to our website, protectourpast.org.
1: That's great. Michael, thank you for your time today. And I look forward to, uh, I, I think I have, what, my 10th anniversary reunion this spring?
0: Ooh, 10th, 15th, or ten maybe it's 5th. <laughs> I don't know.
1: But uh, I look for. I, thank you very much for your time today, and I look. I look forward to seeing you uh, at reunion in June, and um, um, appreciate it. Look forward to having you on the show again. And uh, Ellen, do we want to.
2: You're very welcome. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, oh well,
1: thank you. Thank you very much. And Ellen, we want to close with our quote. It's yeah,
0: a, sure. This is a quote by John Sawhill, and it says, "In the end, the society will be defined not only by what it created." but for what it refused to destroy. Think about it.
1: Until next time, folks, go statesmen, go herons.